Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DMVR Buffs podcast presented by the Colorado XOs. I'm Henry Chisholm. Today we're talking more about the spring game. Well, actually, spring showcase. Um, before we get into it, if you guys haven't seen that yet, uh, there are like replays on Pac-12 Network going on that you can watch. There's like a like a 15 minute version where it just cuts it down to basically the most interesting stuff um, on YouTube. If you search like Colorado Spring Showcase, it'll pop up. Um, those are those are the things that I would recommend doing um, if you guys want to watch the game. I'm sure there's other ways. It seems like I'm pretty sure like past spring games are also on YouTube. And so I think like at some point that they might be up there. But if you're somebody who wants to watch the spring game for yourself, there are ways to do that. Um, so check those out. On another note, um, I'm uh, kind of dead still. Um I think the last time we talked, I was a little bit like frantic because it was a <laughs> it was a very busy time. We did twelve hours of live draft coverage over the course of three days. And on top of that, right in the middle of all that, we have the spring game, whole bunch of other things. Um, I'm not gonna lie. So Saturday after the draft, well, actually, let's skip to Sunday. Sunday yesterday, I went over to the Spanos place, had just like a massive dinner and a few more drinks, which honestly were not needed after those last few days um and i am still just dead tired from that whole week it's actually kind of crazy um so if i sound like i'm an idiot or say some dumb things that's probably the reason why and i'm probably going to do those two things um so i feel like that's a that's the only disclaimer we need today and we can start talking about the buffs. Well, actually, we can in just a second. After I tell you more about the presenting sponsor of this podcast, the Colorado XOs. Uh, so the Colorado XOs, actually, I believe they just won again yesterday. Um, we're not going to stop and check, even though I probably should. Um, even if they didn't, then they would still be 5-1. and one, Really impressive for the first six games in the history of this franchise. Um, they're, they're taking athletes who play different sports, teaching them how to play rugby and they work at the, or they like, they work out, do all their stuff at the rugby town national training center, same place that all of the, like the U S national teams work. So it's pretty cool. And, uh, you can follow along with DMVR rugby on Twitter on, uh, like the DMVR rugby podcast. Um, yeah. And, and do that. Written content, the, the DMVR.com as well. 
Okay, so like I said on Friday, the plan for today is really to run back through a lot of the things I've probably missed. Because that's the, the thing about all this, is that when you're in the press box, there aren't really replays. Um, you just kind of watch what's in front of you. Now I've had a chance to go back, look for a few more details, some things I might have missed. I, I have a couple, not going to lie. There, there isn't as much more as I thought, you know. It felt like it was honestly a pretty short spring showcase, which is weird because it did go like quite a ways and it wound up being like 55 to 60 plays, something like that, about like as many as you find in half a football game. Actually, maybe even less than that because there's so many more in college. Um, but that's kind of, that feel, it felt short to me. Like I felt like there would be more happening in there. Um, Let's just jump in, though. Uh, you know, one of the things I said yesterday, or Friday, I guess, uh, was when we were talking about Robert Barnes and these linebackers. You know, John Van Dees played really well. Robert Barnes played well. There's definitely some flashes in there. And we, we talked a little bit about how John, at this point, is, at least according to coaching staff, taking some big steps forward. You know, we've seen it before. We've seen, I mean, Carson Wells is a great example of somebody who... I guess he was a junior last year in his sophomore season. He didn't have, or no, he had one sack in 10 games. Last year, he's, I think, sixth in the country in sacks per game, first in tackles for loss. Just a big breakout. And it's one of those things where a lot of pieces have to come together. The mental side, the physical side, the, like, having a, a defense where the defensive coordinator says, hey, this is somebody who we want to get in position to make plays. There's a whole bunch of different things that need to happen. Um, and you see sometimes people take these steps later on in their career. We talked a little bit about that with John Van Deest and the potential for him to be one of those guys based on what we've heard. And we've also talked about Robert Barnes, who figures to be the person who, you know, I would say at this point will be rotating with John Van Deest at the second inside linebacker spot um, next to Nate Landman. Um What's interesting is, and we talked about this before, we've heard about how Robert Barnes has maybe taken the most steps forward during camp, but, you know, he started a couple steps behind because he's changing positions, because he's learning a new defense, all those different things. He, he hasn't been on the field as much as uh, John Van Deest has in his career. So a lot of that may have been to, to catch up or to come close to catching up. And, and not because they were starting from the same place, which is interesting that we heard. And then to get a chance to go watch Robert Barnes, you know, like I said, there's a whole, whole, whole lot to like about him. The, the speed, the just general athleticism. He can pack a punch when he hits. Um, and he has, he has the tools that you look for in coverage. Now, he needs to be just a little bit more fluid, moving backward, moving side to side. You know, there's a couple plays that you... you you don't need him to make, but but you want him to to do a better job contesting, considering that that's his potential role as being the the one of the two who projects as the better cover guy. And again, we've heard John taking big strides forward in coverage. Um, who who knows what exactly this will look like because you just can't put people in the box. Um, one of the things that I noticed going back, and this is actually one of the plays that I mentioned earlier uh, on Friday when we were talking about why we're going to do this, because you know there's one play where Montana Lamonius Craig runs all the way across the field, and it's a little bit deep, and it, he's just kind of open over there. And you wonder, who's supposed to be covering him? Um, was there a linebacker who was supposed to drop back? 
And when you go back and watch, you know, if there was, it's it's Robert Barnes. And he was playing a little bit closer to the line, um, didn't get back deep enough, and it wound up leaving a pretty big hole in the defense. And it's just getting a feel for those sorts of things at the second level. Um, you know, it's very different than playing safety and, you know, playing linebacker. Playing linebacker is different. And, and I think that, you know, we hear from Mark Smith, the, the inside linebackers coach, um about his beliefs in how you build basically a linebacker's room at at this point um and what he said was you know even though you still want to be able to cover or you now want because of how the game has evolved a linebacker who can cover really well especially because you're going to be playing a bunch of spread teams and there might be games where you're covering 80 percent of the time but he still said the most important thing for our inside linebackers is being able to defend the run, being able to play downhill and, you know, make plays, not get lost in traffic, not get caught up in the wash, to be able to knock blockers back, get off those blocks and make the tackle, you know, and, and figuring all that sort of stuff out, that is uh, that is most important, more important than the coverage stuff. And I do wonder if that's kind of some of what we've seen with, with Robert Barnes. You know, some some good blitzes coming downhill, um, taking on blockers, being aggressive in doing so. Um, also, Carson Wells didn't play all that much, but he looks really good. <laughs> Whenever he went up against, against Jared Christian Lichtenhan, um, he's he's an animal out there um, on second rewatch. Not that that fits in right now, but uh, yeah. With Barnes, I do think that what they're probably doing is teaching them how to play downhill first and then maybe working more on the cover part. And th and that's a guess on my part based on what we've heard from the inside linebackers coach because uh, that kind of adds up. At the same time, though, if if they're looking at this the way I look at it, you, you maybe do just want to really work on the cover stuff with Robert because that is more of his role. Um, again, I guess in hearing about the way that Carl Durrell approaches spring practice, spring camp, it's about developing and about developing new skills and all that kind of stuff. If that's what you think a linebacker, if those are the most important traits you need to find in a linebacker, now is the time to create well-rounded players. Whereas in the fall is when you start scheming a little bit and, and figuring out what to do with them. This is about growth and development. So I do think that they probably are working a lot more on the downhill stuff. Um, there's more work that needs to be done there as well. Um, but the, but those are just some things I thought um, in going back and watching, specifically that one play, but then there are a couple of others in coverage that make you think th there, are, there are tools there. It's just turning those tools into a, a produ productive cover guy. Um, and again, he switched from safety to linebacker, what, two months ago? Three months ago? There's plenty of time. There's, there's plenty of time. Um, I think, I think that that is it for all my thoughts in that part on the quarterbacks. I had a couple more thoughts as well. Um, interesting. Also, I, I, I just can't have these highlights on repeat. If I pause for a second, it's because there's something else going on. Um, but, uh, yeah, for me, the broadcast actually made some good points. Let's start there. Um, first of all, Yogi Roth, always fun to listen to him. Um, but, but both of them were really pointing out how they do throw the ball differently, these two quarterbacks. 
Um, JT Shrout has, has a cannon, and I do think that that's important that us for us to talk about. Um, you know, Brendan Lewis, he also has a strong arm, but when you watch the balls he throws, they float just a little bit. And you can see that stuff in person. And, and it's not even that they float a little bit. It's that he has he has good touch and, and isn't necessarily somebody who just tries to drill the ball through windows, which is something JT Shrout does really well. A lot of these under, underneath routes, I think some of these defenders might even think they're in decent positions sometimes, but he can just pound those spots. And the receivers are holding on to those balls. You know, they're making a lot of contested catches for him. Um, whereas Brendan, you know, going back, there was one throw in seven on sevens. You watch it during, you watch it live and you think, well, why are you doing that? Because you're kind of throwing into triple coverage. Uh, There's two defenders in front of you, two defenders behind you. They're not all like in range to make a play, but there's just this little bubble of of defenders around the receiver over on the left sideline. And it's just a beautiful touch pass. He gets it up high enough for his receiver to go up and make a play over the defenders in front of him, but obviously doesn't overthrow him so that the defenders behind can get it. Receiver goes up, catches it. I think Montana Lamonius Craig. And it's not even that difficult of a catch. It's it's not like it's a, a ball that you you worry about, really. And, and you, you see that a couple of other times throughout here. Just, just the ability to manipulate the flight path of the ball to get it to 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 drop where you need it to drop um and and that's the kind of stuff that you know i it's it's tough to talk about honestly because it's like is that something that you even teach guys like obviously you want them to have it you do want them to have it but it does kind of feel like some of that's natural and the fact that brendan can can do some of that stuff and do it well get those balls to hit where he wants them to hit you you really like to see it at this stage in his development um and i thought that that was interesting whereas jt you know the the, the touchdown pass that he threw where i think they snapped the ball like the three yard line the the pocket gets pushed back he's getting chased back he's throwing off his back foot and just wings a little ball that that it, it has some arc on it. It's not like a line drive, but just drops into the hands of Alec Pell in the back of the end zone, back corner of the end zone, right where it needs to be. Um, and so when you look at these guys, the more you watch them, I think the more strengths that you can find. Um, and that's exciting. And in going back and watching, you know, <laughs> uh, they, they do the interview with Sam Neuer and when I was going back and watching this, watching the interview with Sam, all that stuff, looking at the numbers, remembering how productive he was, how efficient he was, it does make you think, like, this probably should be Sam's job. He played really, really well last year. You can talk yourself into JT Shrout, too, because you look at that arm. You look at the decisiveness. You know, I think even some of the balls to the sideline, like, he really likes to drill those, whereas Brendan is is playing with the space that's there a little bit more, um, understanding how long his receiver has to get to the ball. Um, not that that's, I mean, I don't even know which one you like. It, it, a lot of it's preference, and it's about what you're trying to do. If they're trying to throw a bunch of spacing routes underneath, then yeah, maybe you do want JT in there just throwing these 
bullets into guys' chest because defenders aren't going to be able to make plays on those balls. Um, if you want some more of the downfield manipulation types, like there, there, I think a bunch of ways there, there are a bunch of ways for these quarterbacks to be successful. And what's fun is that they are so different. And again, you go back and watch this spring game. You watch what Sam Neuer did last season. I don't think it's hard to come with come away with the conclusion that you have three good quarterbacks. And I guess maybe that that is what's most important is that Colorado will have a very capable quarterback under center this year. I'm confident in that. Um, and to be honest, I'm I'm already starting to feel bad for the two that don't get this job because I think that all three are going to give a very, very good run um, for this job. So I don't know. I, I, I just kind of want to keep watching both Trout and Lewis on repeat. First of all, because what? They were combined, let's see, 22 attempts, I believe. Um, 16? 17. 17 completions, I think. So 17 to 23 between the two of them. No turnovers, nothing like that. They played really well. They played really well. And I don't think that that should be understated. Especially like the, the the fading away ball that JT just threw and popped back up again. And guess who was in his face? Guess who was right there and potentially would have gotten the sack and at the very least would have planted that man's face in the ground? Carson Wells. Again, I don't... In going back and watch, like like when you're up there watching the, that, that play, in, for example, somebody gets around the edge and you're like, oh, I wonder who that was. I got to see if this is a touchdown, though. And then you miss it. And to be able to go back, it seems like on a lot of those plays, the answer was it was Carson Wells who was right there. Going back, there were a couple of blitzes from Robert Barnes that I really liked. You know, one where maybe he, instead of hitting the running back as hard as he did, maybe it it wasn't even that. It's that after that, he kind of looked lost and didn't know where to go get the quarterback. And that's just the, that comes with being new to the position. Um, In terms of the running backs, Going back and watching those, it, it was interesting. You know, I I was disappointed by Alex Fontenot. Um, I was. I I think there was even a run I was talking about in the last podcast where it was uh, around the edge, and I said, like, yeah, you, you wonder if a shot can get those. It's one where Jarek gets the edge and gets upfield. Going back and watching, that might have actually been Alex Fontenot. Um and it might have been a different play that I was remembering because, again, it's a very different angle. It's all zoomed in. And I don't remember when exactly in practice that happened. I guess I could go through my notes and try to bring things together. But I was kind of disappointed with Alex Fontenot. Um, again, he's, he's coming off a, a serious injury. It's going to take him time to come back. We've seen what he is capable of. His coaches have said that the speed is back. And if the speed is back, you have to think that everything else should be put together enough for him to be what he was a couple of years ago. Um, just didn't have, I mean, he never got into space and, and kind of pulled away. I, I want to say like his longest run was like eight, nine yards, something like that. And again, it's a small sample size. What happens if he gets two more touches is one of those where a crease opens up for him and he's, he's ready to, to take advantage of that, you know, there weren't a lot of holes. I mean, the, the defensive line beat the offensive line. They did the bulk of their work early in the scrimmage. 
but they did they did win. Um Yeah, other running backs not that much. I mean, Ashad's strong. Ashad's strong. He's he's scary to tackle. I think there's stuff you like from Jay Lee. Some blitz pickups you like from Jay Lee. Um and, and that's gonna be big for him. That's gonna be big for him. You know, I'm still not sure what my comp is for for Jay Lee Stacks. You know, I think it's I think it's easiest to go the fullback route. You know, Kyle Yuschek in, in an ideal world is maybe what you're hoping for because he is that utility kind of guy. You can run with him, you can block with him, he's good in pass protection. You you like keeping in the backfield to protect the quarterback. And on top of that, he's a good receiver and he knows how to get open and use his feet to get open. And for big guys like that, sometimes that's tough to do. Um, so I do think that that is important um, to say. But again, is it use check, though? Or is it more of like a... I, I, Michael Turner wasn't that big. Like, it, I'm trying to struggle. It seems like there's a lot of those guys. Um, I'm going to check how big Michael Turner was. So in his Wikipedia page, um, Michael Turner who you might remember from his time with the Chargers, from his time with the Falcons, went to a couple Pro Bowls. Um, he's listed on Wikipedia as 5'10", 247. That's obviously bigger than Jay Lee Stacks at, at 33 pounds, or 233 pounds. Wow, what a dumb thing to say. Um, but, yeah, when you're comparing Michael Turner going up against NFL defenses at 247 and Jay Lee Stacks going up against Pac-12 defenses at 233, I think there's some similarities, you know, and it, it really is about just how explosive he is. You know, is he somebody who, when he gets into space, can take advantage of it? You know, and that doesn't necessarily need to be getting up the sideline and, and outrunning people. Like, he can get run down from behind. If JLA Stacks gets run down from behind, nobody is going to be disappointed in that. What's going to be disappointing is if you watch him get run down from behind, it's like, dog, you got to get another 10 yards there. Like, you, you, when a running back is in that much space, you got to get at least those 10 yards. And to me, that's that's not the only question, but it's probably the first question with Jay Lee. But again, you go back and watch, and you see why the coaches like him. Same thing with Joe Davis, who we don't talk about enough on this podcast. You know, he was the first running back out there, and that first run, every time you watch it, it's nice. You know, a spin to get out of somebody's arms in the backfield on your first snap of the day. You know, you don't even get two steps to to get your balance after getting the ball before this guy comes and gets you. And then on the next play, you've got Robert Barnes getting in the backfield and getting him. You know, there's... It's... It's, it's going to be interesting. It's really tough to put these guys in order. Um, yeah, but it was Joe Davis' first one in. It's a good rush from Niam Rodman that just came on. Um, but, yeah, I, I I don't know how these running backs are going to rotate in. I think I, – I guess we know the four. We know the four who – you have Jarek Broussard who's your number one. You've got Fontenot. You've got Joe Davis. You've got Shad all competing for that number two job. And I think any of them could end up number two. They might even be able to fall to six, though. And when we have these conversations, I think that's the part that I've been missing is that, you know, guys like Jaylee Stacks, I, he, he, to me, is not in the competition for, for the number two running back. He can be in the competition for number three, number four, 
mostly number four probably. But but him too, Dion Smith. I think he's he's still just doing the individual drills. But when he shows up again last fall, I mean, going into last season, he was one of the guys I was most excited about. So. Well, I do think that it'd be an upset for anybody other than Davis, Fontenot, and Clayton to be the number two, and probably even the number three. There's no guarantee that those guys are rounding out your top four. Um, and going back and watching, I do think that that's important. Um, yeah, I mean, Joshka Gustav, I thought made some nice plays going back, specifically in run defense. Um, one, for example, I think it's a run out of shotgun. Uh, running back lined up on the left of the quarterback, runs to the right. And no tight end out there, just a right tackle all alone trying to block Joshka Gustav. Gustav kind of runs the tackle out toward the sideline, kind of with the play. And then when the running back tries to cut up field outside of him, just jumps off, grabs him, drags him down. You know, that's... That's big stuff. That's that's what you want to see from him. You know, especially when you hear things like his style of play is similar to Joey Bosa. The the techniques he used, the moves he move he uses, and again, he's the technician out there. They're most similar according to his position coach to what the Joey Bosa does. You know, he did a nice job on the stunts, which again is what you expect from somebody like that. Um he understands the spacing the the timing of all that kind of stuff. When he's lined up on the edge, going to let the defensive lineman inside him just kind of clear things out, run back inside him, go up the middle. They had success. They had success doing that. Um, Joshka's, Joshka is exciting. Joshka is very exciting. Um, not not somebody who is dominant at this point. You know, he, he does. He, he loses sometimes. Whereas you watch Carson Wells on the other side, he's not losing. He's, he's just not going to lose. Now, when you get the full offensive line back, that, all that, then, then maybe sometimes he does. But Carson, Carson still has it. Carson still has it. Not that that was a question, but he still has it. Um, let's see. Where, where do we go from here? Um, I've got a couple of things to talk about. Um, as was the plan from the press conferences that we had Friday, the media availabilities with everybody after the spring game. But I'm pretty sure that's all I had in terms of additional notes. Um, yeah, really not much on the safeties, which is probably my bad. I should go back and just watch strictly for the secondary, the safeties again. But um, yeah, before we do that, real quick. DMVR is pretty cool. Not only do they make these podcasts, they also have a whole bunch of written content on the website. Um, you can read my thoughts on the spring game. There's going to be more coming on the way. Honestly, like the way I've been doing it has been using a bunch of like the usually the most interesting stuff from whatever day's media availability we get three a week and then throwing a couple more pieces in throughout the week. I'm, I still have some great, great quotes for, um, uh, from this spring. I'm excited to go back and write more of that stuff. So there is still more buff stuff. And it might not be about set, stuff that was said recently, but I promise that I wouldn't write it if it isn't worth reading. Um, so more buff stuff written there. All sorts of different things. You get access to our members-only Discord. You can get... Uh, 
all sorts of things. Uh, right now, there's an awesome deal. If you sign up for an annual membership with DMVR, you can get a free DNVR shirt, a free shirt from the DNVR locker. Um, and you'll also get a free Recover Holistic Stick from Holistic Wellness. What's that? Holistic Wellness is a CBD company. Um, the stick that they send has 10 milligrams of CBD inside it. You just take the top off, you just pour it in your drink, then you stir it around in there, and then you drink it, and you're good to go. Um, again, it's, it's the, the one that we send has the, it's meant for recovery. So if you've had a long day of like bodybuilding or climbing mountains or I wonder, I wonder if you need to recover from skydiving because I don't know that there's too much of a physical toll as much as it's more like mental, emotional. I'm not really sure. Uh, I'd be curious to hear though, if anybody's been skydiving. Um, point is what, whatever you did that was like tough on your body all day, this will help with that. They have a bunch of others that help with like digestion or sleeping and all those sorts of things. You should check those out too. And if you want to buy them, you can do that at holisticwellness.com, H-O-L-I-S-T-I-K wellness.com. And like I said, there's a bunch of different stuff that you can get there that will help with a bunch of different things. Uh, using CBD, you can use the code DMVR30 for 30% off your purchase. Or again, try the Recover Holistic Stick with an annual membership to DMVR. Plus, you'll get a, uh, a coupon from Holistic Wellness as well. Also, let's talk about Celsies. Um, Brackenridge Brewery, they have seltzers now. They're really good. They've got uh, apple pear. That's just one flavor. It's important to say that because then if you say apple pear, cherry, peach, berry, and honeydew, then you're like, well, apple pear, but though apple pear is just one. Um, head to the Breck Beer Locator. See where the closest 15-pack of Breck seltzers is to you and make sure you pick one up because they really are good. I mean, what's crazy is I haven't met... Actually, that is not true. I have met a person who doesn't like seltzers. You know who it is? It's Dev. It's Dev. And not only does he not like seltzers, he likes to make fun of everybody else for liking seltzers. Don't be like Dev. First of all, just like your seltzers. Second of all, be nice. Don't be like Dev. Um, but almost everybody, everybody except for Dev really, really, really likes seltzers. And the Breckenridge Brewery seltzers are, in my opinion, the best. Um, if you are like Dev, then there are beers too. Uh, there's also food down at the farmhouse in Littleton. That's a cool spot. Um, yeah, so many good beers. I mean, we've got, uh, we've, so there's Avalanche, there's a Strawberry Sky, Vanilla Porter, a bunch of good ones, but we've also like tried mixing them together and you don't find many bad combinations. Um, basically like, especially like the strawberry sky, you can mix that with a lot of things and it'll taste really good. Um, surprisingly mango mosaic, a little bit tougher. Um, but yeah, the, we had a lot of fun with that. RK special, Hank special, Dre has his too. Um, Eric, the, the genius among all of us came up with the brew aside, which is all of them mixed together. And he says, it's not bad. <sighs> sure. I mean, I honestly find that really hard to believe, except that it is Breckenridge Brewery. The beers are good, so how bad could it really be? Uh, also, we're going to... Oh, there we go. See, I was going to try to fill time, and then I realized really quickly, I'm just not going to be capable of that today. Um, 
The hits literally keep on coming from one boxing event to the next. They grow in excitement and in anticipation. This weekend is no different with two of the sport's most respected fighters stepping into the ring Saturday night. There is no better place to get in on all of the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. For this weekend's fight, DraftKings is offering all new users a shot at turning $1 into $55. To celebrate this weekend's huge event, DraftKings is offering new users the opportunity to get 55-1 to 1 odds on either main event fighter to win this weekend's fight. That's a $1 bet. And if the fighter of your choice wins, you cash $55. Plus, with basketball and hockey playoffs right around the corner, DraftKings Sportsbook has even more ways for you to make it rain. DraftKings Sportsbook is safe, secure, and reliable, meaning you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. So, download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use the code DMVR when you sign up, and for a limited time, all new users can bet $1 to win $55 on this weekend's main event. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook is going all out for new users by offering them the chance to win $55 when placing a bet of $1 on this weekend's big fight. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right. Um, into some of the stuff that uh, people had to say. Um, after the scrimmage, let's, uh, start with some quarterbacks because I mean, because duh, that's, that's, it's football. You always start with the quarterbacks. Um, so, you know, we, I talked a little bit earlier about how to me, it really is a close competition. And if you were to tell me that any one of these guys is going to be the starter this season, I'd say, yeah, buffs are going to be just fine with that guy starting these football games. Um, Carl basically said, oh, maybe not the exact same thing. He, he did say that having a few good quarterbacks is a good problem to have. Um, he, he did say that he really likes having a few guys who are playing a very similar level because it does push everybody to, you know, not play like outside themselves, but to do everything they can under a decent amount of pressure because that's the only way that they're going to actually get the job. And when you know that, I mean, really, there are three good quarterbacks and any one of them any day is capable of being the best of the three. It, it does put some pressure on, you know, whereas if, if you're a. If, 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 let's go back to the Steven Montez situation, you know, if, if you had somebody who could have pushed him for the job, who knows what happens. But for Steven going into camp, how does he hold on to his job? He just needs to be better than, I mean, a lot of not all that impressive quarterbacks. You know, he, he doesn't have to be out there saying, here is me playing to the best of my abilities because that's how I win this job. It's more, here's me hitting enough receivers, not turning the ball over, and, and doing enough to be better than the guy behind me. And I don't think that Steven had that mentality, but he could have. And if he did, everything would have worked out just fine for him except that there may have been not as much success as if he was pushed. And and that's how Carl feels about the situation. I think he makes a, a really good point. Um, he also said that uh, that group has changed drastically from what it was when he first got here, like, what, 14 months ago? Um, talked about how Brendan Lewis is looking really good and really sharp and, and comfortable in the pocket, which... 
I agree with. And, you know, we talked about talking about the touch a little bit. Usually that's not something you see in a mobile quarterback. And and maybe that's putting mobile quarterbacks in a box. But typically you think of those guys as more the let's let's drive the ball where it needs to go. You know, not uh, somebody who thinks about like all three dimensions of how the ball floats because there's a lot in their mind. They're, they're running a lot. They're, you know, so I, I do think that that was an interesting note. Um, he mentioned JT, JT really coming along. I think he said that he's in the thick of it um, after, you know, not, not knowing the offense just a couple of months ago. Um, so I think that that all has to be really really exciting um is there anything else on the quarterbacks i don't think so um mm, let's jump in i thought colby purcell had something interesting to say um and i guess what really started was carl was talking about uh, the importance of the summer and how you know basically we've we've done a lot of work we're, we're meeting up again in about a month we'll be up we'll be on campus it's important that everybody knows that we still have work to do you know, everybody needs to go home and whether it's learning more of the playbook, whether it's, you know, getting in better shape, you know, whether it's dropping five pounds or adding five pounds or moving five pounds from your bottom half to your top half. I don't know. Football stuff. Um, from there, though, Colby Purcell mentioned Shannon Turley as well, saying this is an important offseason. It's also our first offseason with Shannon Turley. And, and he was excited about that. And in general, I think that the people we've talked to have have been excited about working with Turley. Um, you know, he said, try and get bigger, faster, stronger. Same thing every year. Um, but he did say this year to him is going to be critical, he thinks. Um, anything else from Darrell here? Um, he did talk a little bit about, you know, they, they do have a month off, um, and he wants them to get away and, and to spend time with their family and their friends and to, you know, just be at home. He said that he also wants them to, to think about the work that needs to be accomplished. Um, because there is, some. um, there was a long conversation he said before the scrimmage about exactly that, about how, you know, this is the end of spring practice. That isn't it until we meet up again. There's more that needs to be done. Um, yeah, so I thought that was some good stuff. Um, who have we not? Oh, I guess John Van Deest, we also heard from him. We talked about some of this stuff on Friday, though. Um, what did we may have missed? You know, I guess he talked about the same thing, too. Um, he said basically the same thing. Enjoy time with family travel if we can then come back get back to it it's a good way to end it um yeah he he also talked and maybe this is worth repeating just because i think that it probably was the most interesting stuff anybody said was him talking about how um you know they don't have nate landman they lost quinn perry and marvin ham during camp all of a sudden there were not all that many linebackers he was playing a crazy number of snaps in practice and you know he talked about how it, it wears on him. Also, it it made him a lot better, he thinks. And the coaches have said the same thing. Um, again, that's exciting. Like, maybe that's a fitting way to end this. You know, we start by talking about John Van Deest and by talking about John Van Deest and Robert Barnes. Again, I 
that spot is just so interesting because, uh, again, it's kind of like quarterback in a way, you know, and I guess you get to start two of the three, but with Nate, with uh, uh, Robert Barnes, with John Van Deest, I'm excited about him. I am excited about him. Um, yeah, I, I think that's it for today. I'll be back tomorrow. We'll be talking about some stuff. I'm not really sure what. I guess I do plan on now going back. I might have some notes on the secondary tomorrow. I doubt it, though, because there just wasn't all that much there, you know? I, I'm sure Maybe there will be something to talk about. Um, from there, I mean, we're getting close to time for the Pac-12 to announce who the new commissioner is going to be, and we haven't been following that all that much at all over the, like during spring camp, so we'll jump into some of that tomorrow, too. Um, should be a lot of fun, and I will see you then.